Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Float, Odyssey, Telegram, Twitch, TikTok, and the Prepper Broadcast Network. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and today is November 17th, 2022, and this is episode 204 of the Workshop Podcast. First off, anytime you are doing any kind of content creation, do not be scared to try something new. Tonight, we are attempting to go live. There we are. We are. So I I now have it set up so that we are live using the desktop app for TikTok. First, always something new, always worth trying. So always force yourself to be a little uncomfortable, always force yourself to try new things. And you just absolutely never know how it's going to turn out. Uh, nice to have you, Quick Transmission, over on TikTok. Good to have you, Ted McDonald. Great to have you, Martinson family. We're also live on Spreaker for the Prepper Broadcast Network. We are we are in all the places, guys. This is how we get our message out there. This is how we grow the community. And I just love it. So here we are. Okay. First off, guys, Patch of the Month Club had a message today. Hey, Gary Johnson, good to have you. Just wondering when the patches were coming out this month. So we did things just a little bit different. I don't know if you guys heard or not, but there's a good chance that last month's patches never made it to the destination simply because Canada Post is uh, Canada Post. You guys all know how much I love Canada. Anyway, so I sent out everybody, whether you get your patch or not last month, I sent out an extra patch this month from last month. So number one, that makes up for that. Number two, I've decided to do it differently. So I now package everything up, have everything stamped, ready to go. And I send the package to a good friend in the US and then they remail them down there. It's going to take a couple extra days, but what that means is it's going to guarantee that it gets into the USPS system without dealing with all the bullshit that Canada has. So they're on their way. I'm excited. This month's will be just a little late because of the new system I'm doing, but going forward, everything will be on time every four weeks. And as a matter of fact, next month's patch is due here. Oh boy, could be any day. I seen it was at the Edmonton airport today. And so I'm going to send that out early, hopefully beating the Christmas rush and you guys may end up getting them pretty close together it is what it is, but we make it great. Hey, Renegade Butcher, good to have you. All right. Uh, number two, Thursday evenings is always the Prepper Broadcast Network episode. Always great to be with my family over at PBN. If you're looking for really good preparedness-related content, go by, subscribe, add them to your podcatcher, because what you're going to find out is you're going to get, if you want your content, if you want your podcatcher blown up with a ton of different content, and give them a shot. Add them to your, uh, add them to your collection of knowledge. Great. And if you want to support them, they do have the membership over there. So check that out. They've got the Next Generation Podcast, Matter of Facts Podcast, Strange Truth with Carl A.D. Brown. It's awesome. I love the guys. I love them all over there. Okay, next, um, just something to throw out there. We are going to do a watch party for everyone's favorite Christmas movie. And no, I'm not talking about Die Hard. I am talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Now, we obviously can't do it here on YouTube. So it's going to be through Telegram. Hey, Nate. Hey, Mike from Snail Creek Homestead. Good to have you. We're going to do it through Telegram. 
maybe Twitch as well, but Telegram for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. I may strip the audio out of it and turn it into kind of like an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 if it turns out all right. But yeah, so, and maybe we'll even learn some uh, repairedness lessons from Clark W. Griswold. I'm really excited. So anyway, we're going to do that. Haven't settled on an evening yet, but if anybody has any suggestions for what a good evening would be to do it, I think it would be a lot of fun. So if you're not in the Telegram group, come by, join it, because we're going to sit around, have an old-fashioned and laugh our ass off at a movie we've seen 150 times. Uh, next, Monday evening, guys. I am excited. Uh, it's an absolute honor to be a guest on Porterhouse and Teal's YouTube channel. Uh, my brother, my buddy, my brother, Eric, we got to hang out at Self-Reliance Festival, invited me to be the very first guest on his very first live stream. It was to um, celebrate his 500 subscriber on his channel, but he's blown right past it. I checked tonight and he had like 611 subscribers. So I'm going to be over there Monday evening, seven o'clock mountain time, I believe. As soon as I get the link, I'll share it for you. But in the meantime, check out Porterhouse and Teal's YouTube channel. Some really cool homesteading content. He had a neat little hack the other day on how to blow out your downspout when it's raining. Showed how to make biochar with bones. Kind of sounds like a serial killer if you ask me, but that's a whole nother. No, it's a really cool video, actually. So anyway, if you're looking for good homesteading content, make sure you check out their channel. And that brings up the fact that, hey, guys, I'm always available to be a guest on a show. Don't be scared to reach out if you're wondering, hey, I'd like to have Tim on or whatever. Yeah, just reach out. The answer will be yes, guaranteed, as long as you're not some kind of crazy person. But no, I'd love to come on and be guests and uh, share what I know. Uh, Becky and I are going to be on a uh, podcast coming up. I won't let the cat out of the bag yet, but early December, I will share that when it gets a little bit closer. But yeah, definitely. Anybody looking, reach out and I'll gladly come on and share what little bit of knowledge I got beaten around up in the, the old gray matter. And finally, guys, today's tool is the Deluxe Tire Plug Kit from Amazon. And I got to tell you guys a secret. I had the smaller version of that, and I drove around for like two years with that in the back of my vehicle. Never had used it before. All I can tell you is the time to learn how to use a tire plug kit is not when you're laying on the side of the interstate and it's raining and it's dark. <laughs> Make sure you know how to use that ahead of time. They're cheap, they're inexpensive insurance, and they really do work. But you got to learn how to use them first. So pick up a tire plug kit. Links in the description. Anything you pick up through Amazon with our affiliate links helps support the workshop. So with that, guys, <laughs> Rachel says, I see Die Hard. Are we talking Christmas movies? Oh, you guys, every, everybody over on the uh, Telegram group, we always love to discuss whether chili has beans in it and whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, sometimes certain people just bring things up to, to cause shit. So with that, this evening, we are back into the Empty Container series. I'm rather excited. Who would have thought a series about a bunch of huh, literal garbage, stuff that typically would have been thrown out would be such a big hit. But we started out with a five-gallon bucket because I love them. Then we started out with the milk crates because I consider that uh, male Tupperware. And now we are, due to, how do you want to put it? popular demand or popular request, the IBC tote this evening. We titled this, I titled this, 67 Uses, Facts, and Hacks, because I've got a little bit of everything. And you know what, Rachel Brown? Gremlins is a Christmas movie, and I love Gremlins. It's a good movie. It's um, People love Gremlins, but it's uh, one that people sleep on. They don't always think about or talk about. So let's start out. One thing I always love to do is to try to make the history of the mundane interesting. 
And I think I succeeded last week with the first installment of the history of modern preparedness movement. That was really cool. I was quite excited about that. We need to bring this over here. And let's see, quick transmission. Hello, just saying hi over on TikTok. Don't, not forgetting about you guys. We just got so many chat screens going. I got to figure out a better way to do this, but it's uh, it's going, it's working, and it's great to have everybody. Okay, so <laughs> I've never seen the Star Wars Christmas special, Renegade Butcher's asking. Um, I've heard it's quite uh, unforgettable. Let's put it that way. So, like I said, trying to turn the mundane into interesting, and that to me is what history is all about. Figured I'd share with you guys some interesting facts. Now, number one, if anybody's out there and you're like, what the hell is a IBC tote? Well, you know what? It's something that before I moved to Alberta, I don't think I had ever seen them before. So it's just one of those things. They're ubiquitous ubiquitous in Alberta because they hold a lot of oil field chemicals and that sort of thing. You see them being transported on trucks all the time. But if you haven't seen them or you're not sure what I'm talking about, they tend to be a pallet size cube. They're uh, the interior is typically kind of a translucent plastic, and then they have a wireframe cage around the outside and then a pallet built into the bottom or some way to pick it up with a forklift. And uh, us preppers, you know, we love to reuse weird old things that people tend to throw away. And the IBC totes are uh, one of them for sure. So what the hell does IBC mean? Because I've heard them called IBCs all the time, but Pallet tanks. Yes, that's another name for it, Renegade. IBC stands for Intermediate Bulk Container. So if you guys have ever taken a transportation of dangerous goods uh, course, they tend to be um, rather boring. But one thing you'll notice is that anytime chemicals or anything are transferred, they tend to have what they call a UN designation, United Nations designation, so that they're basically universal across the world. Uh, Mike from Snail Creek has four of them and he loves them. Yes, I'm looking for some food grade ones for the spring to, to start with some rain harvesting. Kind of excited. So intermediate bulk container. And what that refers to actually is any, any cubed container, like I, I discussed with the design, that are between 110 and 330 gallons. Basically bigger than a 55-gallon drum and smaller than a 500-gallon transportation tank. So they were kind of, they filled a niche. They were the in-between size. Um, <laughs> uh, Nate says he has two of them, and I'll see if you mention what we use them for. Yeah, we got a, we got a few. I think I got about 30 uses for them this evening. But yeah, so the most common sizes of IBC totes from the UN, uh, UN registered or whatever you want to call it, are 275 and 330 gallons. So kind of in that 300 gallon range. So I did the math just for the hell of it. And um, a 330-gallon IBC tote full of rainwater could support a family of four for nearly three months at the absolute basic, uh, bare minimum amount of water. And yeah, I think um, even in this area, 275-gallon are by far the most common. 330s are just a little bit taller because, of course, they still have to fit on the footprint of a pallet. Ooh, I like this. Renegade Butcher says, I have a small minnow pond from one, and I grew some aponic, aquaponic herbs and cuttings in it this summer. Yes, herbs with quote, air quotes around them. But yes, they're, they're handy for that kind of stuff. Um, UN specifications say typically they shouldn't be stacked more than two high, on occasion three, and there's a few specially reinforced ones that can go four. But if you're wondering, a good rule of thumb is really two high is safe. Um, 
they were first patented. I always love looking into how they were designed. Now, you know, the five-gallon bucket goes back to the, what was it, the 50s, I believe. The milk crates go back to kind of around that same time. But the modern IBC tote, as we know it, is not even 30 years old. A patent was first filed for it in 1993 by the Dow Chemical Company for an engineer there who was tired of dealing with, you know, the size of barrels that are inefficient and didn't have a an easier way to move around bigger things. <laughs> yes, uh, Chris Dixon says anything over too high is too high. <laughs> yes. And <clears throat> Renegade said he didn't grow that kind of herb. It was basil. Yeah, that's what I called it in high school too, but that's a whole other story, isn't it? Hmm. So the whole idea behind the IBC tote was it was designed to overcome the shortcomings of the 55-gallon drum. So here we are. Oh, hey, hey, Steady Presence. Good to have you this evening. The main problem with 55-gallon drums is so much wasted space. You know, if you stack four of them on a pallet, for instance, or however many fit on there, again, you've got the, the round peg in the square hole kind of phenomenon, and you end up having all that wasted space. That's where the IBC totes really shine is because, you know, a cube, there's nothing more efficient for space than a cube, right? Now, the thing was about the 55-gallon drums, they wasted space. You had to have way more of them when you were storing stuff because, of, again, 55 gallons, what would you have? That would be five of them that would make up a 275-gallon tote. They needed to be secured so they wouldn't tip over. So if you're transporting them, I never thought of this, but you put drums on a pallet, well, they need to be strapped down completely so that they don't fall over when you try to move them. 55-gallon drums are hard to stack. And here's the other thing. If you're moving them individually, you need to have specialized equipment to move them because they're too heavy to lift by hand. So you need either special hand carts or modifications to a forklift. So once again, they designed the IBC tote around the basic, I want to say four foot by four foot pallet, the, the standard that was already there. It kind of reminds me a few years back, I think this was on Reddit, people asked a farmer, why in the hell did they ever switch from them small semi-easy-to-lift hay bales to the big round ones. And the farmer said, well, it's kind of counterintuitive, but the reason we went to the bigger bales was because one person could manage them. When you had the smaller, th thanks, Nate, 40 inches by 48 inches is a standard pallet. So going to something a little bit bigger meant that one guy with a tractor or one guy with a forklift could now manage everything. And that was the way with the bales of hay. It used to be that, you know, one guy drove the tractor and another guy got out or walked along and lifted the bales up into place. Now with the big round bales, the farmer could just come along with a, you know, a bale fork, pick them up, load them, do all the work himself. That was the idea behind the IBC totes as well was there was less handling of it because you could come in, pick it up with a pallet and move it along and be done. Oh yeah, this is, oh Yeah. Renegade said, that's one I never thought of, bud. That's awesome. Cattle and equine protein tub containers need to be an episode. And of course, blue barrels. Yes, I've got blue barrels on the list. I didn't think about um, equine, like protein tubs. If you're not from kind of a ranching farm area, you might not know what those are. But a lot of times, guys, you get these tubs. They have um, minerals or licks in them that the, the animals will clean out or, or loose mineral as well. And when they're done, there's just tons of them kick around. We have a bunch in the sea can here we picked up from a farmer. They're totally great for reusables for sure. And um, 
Snail Creek says, I was telling everyone IBC meant international bulk container. Pretty close, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, there's a bunch of different names for them as well. For some reason, in our circles, we tend to call them IBC totes. That's the main one that everybody knows them as is IBC tote, sometimes IBC tank, sometimes just short for IBC as well, and then pallet tank. That is another name that I hadn't really heard, but I guess is a fairly common thing. So I did a quick little uh, I don't know, research or, you know, just kind of back of the napkin uh, calculations. Went on to Facebook Marketplace and I checked in Edmonton and Calgary. So there's basically two types of IBC used totes that you can pick up, food grade and non-food grade. The non-food grade, of course, are ones that have held some kind of weird, nasty, maybe caustic chemicals. And they're a diamond. Well, they're not really a diamond, does not They're running for about $100 Canadian right now for non-food grade. They tend to be nasty, tend to be gross. They'll work for, you know, storage and that kind of stuff. But I would never want to use them for um, potable water or anything you're going to water a garden with, because no matter how hard you try to triple rinse that bugger, it's just not going to come out of there. So the other one is food grade. So you want to buy, if you're using it for anything that you're going to eat or drink or be exposed to, you're better off to pay a premium and buy used food grade IBC totes. And right now in Canada, they seem to run about $150. So then I just uh, picked, I picked Nashville for some reason. I just picked the city in the States, went on Facebook Marketplace. And when you figure in the exchange rate, the price is about the same down there as well. So, you know, um, hundred bucks Canadian for non-food grade and about 150 for food grade. And what I've noticed is over the last few years, and I imagine Chris Dixon can attest to this too, but I've been noticing the price going up and up and up just a little bit at a time. So yeah, they're not going to get any cheaper, but definitely look for, uh, and we're going to talk about where to find some of these food grade ones. Nate got his for free. That's awesome. I, I've seen a few at the landfill here once in a while, but they tend to have really caustic, nasty chemicals that they dump down oil wells. Not the type of thing I really want. I've had a couple with isopropyl alcohol or glycol in them. I still don't know if I would use the glycol ones for water, but um, definitely could use them for some of the other uses we're going to talk about. So I made a list of 12 places if you're looking to get, and sometimes you can get uh, IBC totes for free. Throw an ad up on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and say, hey, if you get any IBC totes you're getting rid of, I will take them and then show up and get them because that's the key to get when you get to get things free online is you've got to go and get them while the getting's good. I've waited too long on some things before and uh, yeah, didn't get them. Uh, Nate says, set your notifications on Facebook Marketplace for them. I see them for free up to $50. That's a great idea. I used to do that quite a bit. Um, you can do it on eBay still, which not that you're going to get those on there, but um, yeah, set up notifications. That's a good way to do it. Uh, Jake, if you guys know Jake from the TSP community, he set Craigslist notifications for freeze dryers and ended up getting a killer deal on a couple of them. He had to be patient and waited it out, but he did. Yeah, uh, Chris Dixon said, the first four I bought four years ago were $50 for clean food grade. So triple in price. Yep, just like that in four years. I know everything's gone up, but man, that, that's a lot for a used. And I know, I, like I looked, to buy them brand new is around $400. So companies are losing money by getting rid of them. And I, I get the idea of selling them to make money, but yeah, the price just keeps sliding up. So, in the, okay, 12 places to look to uh, pick up 
IBC totes. Number one, independent bottling companies. So things like local homebrew or local microbrew, microbreweries, local pot places. You know, even if you go by, like, there's still lots of Pepsi and Coke bottling plants, that kind of stuff. They can be harder to deal with, but the independent ones tend to be the ones that throw them out to the side of the road and say, hey, take them or buy them cheap or whatever. Online vendors. So, um, yeah, there's usually a few different people who buy them cheap in bulk and then resell them. John Dowie makes a pretty good killing reselling barrels on the East Coast. And just one of those things. So look for guys who buy them and then resell them. Uh, Food warehouses and packaging facilities. So this could be places that bring in bulk material, you know, whether it's, you know, great big things of soy sauce, great thing, great big things of simple syrup, great big things of whatever it happens to be. They bring them in and then of course they've got to get rid of them. So look for that. Uh, Farms. Farms are another one. Now around here, farms are good. They tend to have returnable deposits on some of these. So watch for them. But of course, a lot of them tend to be things like Roundup and different chemicals. So again, make sure, you know, if you're not sure, here's the other thing, because sometimes the stickers get pulled off on these IBC totes. But if you're not sure, you know, be cautious about this stuff because sometimes people won't be the most honest about what used to be in those IBC totes. And if you're not sure, don't get it or use it for something else. Uh, water and wastewater treatment facilities. So like your your local sewer treatment plants or your local water treatment facilities, they tend to get in like stuff like uh, bulk chlorine or water treatment chemicals. They're another place you can check. Dairy plants, um, another place you can check. So if you happen to have like a, a milk bottling plant or something around the way, um, pick them up go there, just ask. And you know what's cool? Drop by or call places, just cold call. What's the worst they're going to say? Ah, sorry guys, we don't have any, or we can't sell them to you because some guy took one, turned it into a trailer for his skidoo and then killed his entire family with it. So now we're scared of lawsuits, you know, that kind of stuff. Same reason why I couldn't get uh, vegetables from a local grocery store anymore for my pigs years ago was because they were scared of lawsuits. But Never know. That's why the small independent places are better to check with. Uh, cosmetic companies, places that make, you know, makeup and that kind of stuff. Breweries. I did. I mentioned breweries before. Farm supply stores. A lot of times if you go buy the farm supply stores and say, hey, I'm looking for some IBC totes. Do you have any? They might sell them to you for the deposit they got back on them. Or they might just have a few kicking around that you, uh, you know, be lucky to take off their hands. And then, of course, our good old standbys, Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Those are the two places that ah, everybody tends to, well, we don't have Craigslist in Canada. We have Kijiji. I'm not really sure where that name ever came from. It always cracks me up when I say it because it sounds like I'm stuttering. But yeah, check it out. Oh, yes, that was, I had that on my list and I forgot. Chris Dixon says car and truck wash places. Yeah, the big, if you go by, we've got one here called the Wash Spot. And they tend to get all of their washing chemicals and soaps and things in those big IBC totes. And then what do they have to do? Well, they got to get rid of them. If it's just a soap, well, that's going to wash out anyway. Um, Mike says, father-in-law gave me one that had Roundup in it. Not uh, not kill grass when flushing it anymore, watering trees now. Yeah, there you go. I mean, test it out. Look up the triple rinse method. They tend, you know, if, if you 
when I worked at the farm supply store, they basically relied on triple rinsing things. And what that would do is basically eliminate or bring down to near zero anything that was in them. But just, yeah. And then, of course, when you're rinsing them, make sure you got a safe place to get rid of the stuff or, you know, take it to a local car wash. That's, that's a popular thing that I read online. Something I would do, too. All right. So I've got 31 uses for IBC totes. Renegade Butcher says uh, four, four for 100 on Marketplace. Is that what I'm reading? Or four, four to $100 here? I'm not sure. Just uh, clarify what that means. But yeah, they're, they're all over the place. Go on Marketplace if you want some. Um, and you can modify them too. You cut them in half. There's all kinds of fun things you can do. But okay. The most simple one that everybody, this is kind of everybody's uh, getting used to IBC totes is rain catchment. You know, you get a barrel and you're like, holy shit, that barrel filled up in three minutes when we got a quarter inch of rain. Well, I need something bigger. So most people are like, well, what's the next best step? And you get a, um, an IBC tote and you pipe in your downspout into it. They make a great rain catchment barrel. And the thing is, it holds more and it's way less money than your typical, you know, shitty little nice looking rain barrel that you're going to pick up at Home Depot, Lowe's or, or Walmart. Um, 40 to $100, Renegade Butcher said. So that makes sense. Uh, Nate says the Roundup ones we had were used at a farm for watering down the area in a horse barn. It had thousands of gallons of water through it in the past. Absolutely. That's all it takes. If you knew they'd been used for a while and washed out, then go with it. But yeah. So first use is uh, rain catchment, and it works. That's what I'm going to use mine for. Number two, storing firewood. So there's a guy here in town. I believe he buys the firewood or has the logs brought in, but you, you could do it if you were salvaging as well. But they work really well. I'm not, let's see, so four foot by four foot, roughly four by four by four would be 16 times four would be 40, 64. So would that be about a third of a cord, I think, or maybe a quarter of a cord? Anyway, they work really great for a cube of firewood. And then they sell them for whatever the price happens to be. But you're able to load and unload quickly as long as you've got pallet forks. And they work really, they're a great storage item for it. And um, Nate says there's a use number, one, and we painted the tank dark blue so that it doesn't algae up. Yes, was going to talk about that in a little bit for sure. So rain catchment, storing firewoods, great, or kindling, whatever it happens to be. Number three is wicking bed. Uh, I had a request to do an entire episode on wicking beds. We may try to do that down the road here because I really do like wicking beds. Now, if you don't know what a wicking bed is, it's basically a contained system that is waterproof that you put kind of a more of an aggregate in the bottom then soil on top and you put a piping system down in the bottom that will wick the water up through. Now, the cool thing about picking up an IBC tote is if you want to get really creative, you can actually make two four foot by four foot wicking beds out of one IBC tote. And get yourself an angle grinder or whatever and cut the cage around the outside exactly in half, cut the IBC tote exactly in half. And then, of course, on the top, there's that screw on lid. You want to glue that on, flip them over, and you've got yourself two strong, secure cages with waterproof membranes on the inside. You can make yourself two wicking beds for the price of one. Always good. Um, oh, and Renegade said there's always guys on Marketplace here selling just the cages. Now, you can use just the cages for a few things, but uh, they must take the bladder out of them and use that for something else, I'm guessing. All right. And what do we got next here, guys? Let's bring this up. 
Uh, now, this one was a little bit sketchy, but underground water storage. Now, if you guys follow me, I've talked about things like burying storage containers in the ground. And the thing is, it works if you're careful. The problem is, is that most of these things aren't made for side support. So what most people say is when you bury them, bury them full so that they're sturdy. But the problem is, is what happens if you pump them dry and then the ground settles and it pushes in and collapses the sides. Now you do have the cage there. And I've seen people who have done this. They basically buried it on the sides and just left the top level with the ground. So you could have underground water storage. But if I did it, I would probably want to reinforce the sides. And if I did that, then... I probably would just buy a direct burial water tank that you can get at the farm supply store because then I know it would work. And uh, Mike says, will, will not work. I tried it. Exactly. That's, that was my opinion as well. I've seen pictures of them online that you could do it. I would probably take three quarter inch plywood, you know, the pressure treated variety that's made to have direct contact with the ground. And I would probably line that all the way around the sides. Then you might have some luck, but then, the problem is, is they're so damn thin on the top that what would it take to puncture it or step on it or whatever? So yeah, I, not, not an ideal solution for sure. I would come up with better ways. Renegade says, I'm planning to make a bunch of these protein beds into wicking beds, all plumb to run on one pump and draining back into an IBC tote pond. Very cool. I love, I love those interconnected systems. They always, I don't know, they just, they're kind of interesting. So the next one is mobile water storage or a livestock waterer. There's a lot you could do with this, but the idea is put it on a trailer, add a, a 12 volt battery powered pump and you've got, now you could also add like a trickle thing on the back. So you could use it as a mobile sprayer. You could use it as a trickle waterer for say a tree line. You could use it as a mobile firefighting station, or you could just use it as a mobile watering station. So you could go around and water your plants, but basically setting yourself up with mobile water storage on the back of a trailer. Love that idea. Next is an aquaponic system. Who couldn't use a four by four container to put, you know, fish in, grow your own protein right there. And there's, I'm not an expert on aquaponics by any means, but you look at an IBC tote, hey, Mr. Bearded Homestead, good to have you. You look at an IBC tote and it just screams aquaponics. It's basically made for, you know, self-contained uh, fish growing protein system. Now, the next one was pretty cool, and I thought of Nate and Aaron when I saw this one, but it's a dual-layer rabbit hutch, and this was a really cool picture I saw online. So basically, you take one of the long sides, and you cut about half of it all the way down and put a hinge on it, so it has a flop down, kind of turns into a ramp, and then halfway in, you put a wire, uh, you know, hardware cloth kind of shelf, so then you could put rabbits on top, rabbits on the bottom, and it's a good little hutch for it. Um, I, I never even looked at, uh, Nate says, John at SOE has amazing aquaponic system. I got to check it out next time I'm down there for sure. And um, Renegade says, trench around it and pour concrete while the tank is full. If you bury it, the concrete will set into a retaining wall. Talking about burying them. And yeah, that, that'll work. But God damn it, if I'm going to do that, I might as well, like I said, unless they're hugely expensive, I might as well go and buy a 300 or 500 gallon direct berry water tank and just be done with it. But, you know, because freaking concrete is uh, just a pain. Um, okay, John has six IBC totes at his place. All right, so next, a composter. These were great too. I mean, pretty simple, but cut the top open, 
have a place to dump your compost in, drill some holes to let the, the nastiness drain out. Make sure you've got some way for your, you know, to turn it up or mix it up or whatever. And uh, yeah, Renegades is probably cheaper to buy a cistern. That's kind of what I was thinking for sure. But yeah, it, uh, IBC totes make a great kind of central area for a composter. And of course, if it's too close to the house and it stinks, just take a tractor and move it around. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> well, that, okay, Nate, this is funny. This was my concern when I saw this picture too. He said, uh, interesting idea on the rabbit hutch. I could see the upper set of rabbits peeing on the lower ones. Yes, and pooing. <laughs> and so the picture I saw was exactly that. Um, it was the wire mesh. And yeah, there was a rabbit up top, a rabbit down bottom. And it kind of reminded me of some of the chicken cages and that sort of thing. But yeah, that was my exact first thought was, imagine getting a contrary-minded rabbit on the upper uh, on the upper cage. And he's like, yeah, I don't like you down there. And he's like, well, surprise. <laughs> and he's like my little chihuahua Dottie who pees everywhere, but decides to pee on everybody else. Yeah. If you put a dick rabbit up top, yeah, he's going to be a dick guaranteed. Uh, next, a splash pool for ducks. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. This was kind of cute. Um, this one, they basically just cut in half and used half of it to make it as a splash pond. Now, the big concern was that you needed to drain it out and kind of carry on with it for a while, uh, you know, clean it once a week or whatever, but it was kind of a cute little splash pond for ducks. And uh, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about their poo, that's for sure, hard as marbles. Been a long time since we had rabbits. Next was a short-term storage for fuel oil. Now, the reading I did, this, this had me thinking because with the uh, furnace oil shortage on the East Coast, kind of up and down, uh, New England, they talked about, you know, basically a year you could put fuel oil in one of those and not really worry about it. I don't know why they're so concerned about long-term storage and this kind of stuff, because it's literally designed for long-term storage. I was reading a story, an article earlier today about reusing blue barrels, and they said blue barrels are HDPE plastic, which is exactly what gas cans are made out of. And they're like, but we don't recommend them for long-term fuel storage because the gas will eventually break them down. So in one hand, they say gas, gas cans are made out of the exact same plastic. And in the next hand, they're like, but you probably shouldn't store it long-term in this plastic, but it's literally designed for that. So I don't know. Anyway, so they said short-term storage for things like fuel oil. Now here's where I think it could be beneficial is if say, for instance, they had a really good buy on something like that and you wanted to invest in some extra just so you had it because you were suspicious that maybe the price was going to go up or you'd need a new tank or whatever. Or here's another one. Say your tank springs a leak or it's about to expire and you need to replace it due to insurance purposes and you need something temporary to pump your diesel or furnace oil into. Well, it would work great. Next, an outdoor shower. This one's really cool. This was one of the few that I saw where they actually stacked them. So they would basically cut the top out of one, bottom out of the other, or whatever. They would flip them over, and they would make a, would it be about an eight-foot high outdoor mobile shower out of it. It was really cool. Of course, you had to plumb it in and that sort of thing. But it was uh, rather ingenious, for sure. Um, Nate says, I could see the valve leaking at the bottom with fuel. That might be the issue. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, might be one of those things to look at either sealing it off permanently or making sure that whatever the rubber seals are in there are fuel rated. Just one of those things to think about. 
So these um, outdoor showers, it was it was pretty ingenious. I didn't look real close at how they joined the two together, but basically what, like I said, they cut bottom off, top off, flipped one over, set it down, and then they lined the inside. Well, I guess it already had plastic in it, but yeah. And then they just put up a little shower curtain thing. It would work great for temporary shower use at, say, events like Self-Reliance Festival or at Nicole's Spring Workshop. Just something like that. Uh, next, a tow-behind ATV utility trailer. I like this one. So if you didn't want to waste with building a whole base or bucket for a trailer, but you already had a frame, put one of them on there. You get yourself a redneck utility trailer to haul around the acreage, that sort of thing. But it worked great. And it also, what was nice about it is it had a built-in frame that you could put straps on and it's four feet deep. Uh, next was a hunting blind. This one was really cool. This was another one that was stacked too high. So, you know, you get your four foot by four foot, you flip one over stack it down. Now, they spray painted it. The thing is, if you're going to spray paint plastic, make sure you get plastic rated spray paint. Krylon is my favorite. Basically what it does is it kind of has some sort of chemical bond or chemical reaction with uh, the plastic and it just impregnates itself into it. So get yourself two or three different shades of green and brown Krylon plastic paint and make yourself a really cool duck hunting blind. I like that. And Nate says, oh, I like that idea, bud. Said um, the IBC tote would fit the Harbor Freight 40 by 48 trailer. Yes, it would. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe next time I go to the States, I'll have to bring one of those trailers back and work on a little trailer project. I like that quite a bit. Next is a plunge tool. Plunge tool. What's wrong with the night tent? No, plunge pool or a hot tub. <coughs> Sorry, guys. So basically, you know, four foot deep redneck hot tub or just a plunge pool you could you know like those ones the ice baths that kind of thing but it holds a fair bit of water um it just yeah i mean i don't know I, if i'm going to be building a hot tub I'm, go buy yourself one of those inflatable ones they work great but you know if, you, if you're trying to be as environmentally friendly and reuse as much as you can it probably would work uh, martinson family says use flat paint yes so if you if you can't get um plastic krylon type paint paint flat will stick a lot better for sure next is a calf hutch this one was kind of cool and this was a this was one of the more ingenious uses of it so you know when calves are young they need somewhere to get in and stay out of the elements for sure but what they did was they took two of them so first they took the cage off of it just use the plastic because calves are they're just tiny and when they're little all they want to do is lay down and kind of sleep in it but what they did was then they took the cage and they turned it, uh, they put it beside it so that they had kind of a pen as well. So they could go in and sleep in the plastic part. And then the pen, the cage part would kind of hold the, the, um, the calf in there, give it some area to eat some hay and that kind of stuff. I thought it was a really neat, uh, ingenious use of it. Chris Dixon said, Krylon has adhesion promoter in it. You can get the stuff separately to use almost spray bomb with. Yes, sir. Chris Dixon, I think you got a video in the making there. That I like that quite a bit, actually. Oh, Renegade, you just come up with one I never thought of. Um, said, I could see an IBC cage making a good frame for a generator shelter, maybe with some sound deadening added. Yes, sir. That could be a really good kind of poor man's generator shelter. I like that. You could um, maybe glue some two-inch high-density foam in there. Or you could figure out a way to adhere some Roxol insulation. Any of that would work really well. Hmm. 
Now you got me thinking, Josh. I like that quite a bit. Next is uh, fish breeding or growing tanks. This is a little different from aquaponics, but I, I seen a guy that was basically separating so that he'd have his his small fish. His he'd have a breeding tank just specifically for uh, his his fish with IBC toads. I like that quite a bit. Now another one: rain caps for firewood. So if all you can get is the plastic liners. People were basically taking them, so they were making, you know, a 40-inch by 4-foot stack of firewood, and then they would take about the bottom 12 to 18 inches of an IBC tote, just the plastic, cut it off, and then set it down over their stack of firewood. So what that would do is it would keep 90% of the rain off it, but it would still leave the stack open for the wind to get through and the firewood to season. So it's keeping the worst of the moisture off and still allowing the sun and the wind to get to it. Thought it was kind of ingenious. Another one, and I don't know why I didn't think of this one before, was a doghouse. Again, very similar to the rabbit hutch or to the calf pen, but this was just, you know, again, just a uh, a portable kind of dog kennel for, you know, a big, bad, or good little dog. Uh, Nate says that's exactly what John does with his other IBC totes. Is uh, I'm guessing we're talking about the, the, the breeding areas for the fish, perhaps. Uh, next, this one was cool. But again, it requires burying it in the ground. Have you guys heard my story about my homemade septic tank system? I love them. I loved what we built. And this, this design that I found online was basically identical. Hey, Philippine Nomad, hadn't seen you in a uh, bit, buddy. Good to have you here. So this one is basically, if you know a lot of, you know, simple septic systems have like a two tank system. So all the solids and nasty shit go into the first one. And then all the overflow liquid kind of bubbles over into the next one and has a place for it to sit. And then it just kind of leaches itself out into the ground. So it works works really slick. Anyway, so ba and, and the cool thing about a an IBC toad is they're so easy to drill because even though they're, they're fairly sturdy, what do you need to cut it? I mean, you could cut into it with an X-Acto knife if you wanted to, but, you know, a, a a quick little hole saw, a jigsaw, a recip saw, any of that would work great for cutting it in. So basically just cut it in, put a pipe in one side, pipe out the other side, then into the next tank, and then pipe it out into your leaching field from there for sure. I think that's just an absolute great idea. Uh, okay, from there, uh, what do we got next? A kiddie pool. I thought this was kind of neat. Basically what somebody did was they cut it in half, and then they lined up around the top with... Pool noodles. Everybody loves pool noodles. So they just put a slit in them because that plastic, so the cage and the plastic got a little bit sharp. And of course, the last thing you want your kids to do is get impaled on it, right? <laughs> Sorry. And yeah, so it was a really neat little idea. Uh, Renegade Butcher said, don't all Canadians need IBCs in their garage to hold their maple syrup? Well, Mr. Smartass Texan, that's actually on my list. So you've been sneaking a peek at my notes, I guess. Next is a poor man's cherry picker. I like this. So if you've got a tractor or a forklift or something and you want to, you don't want to go out and buy a man basket, get yourself an IBC tote. And then all of a sudden you've got something that sits fairly secure. It's on the you know pallet fork. So it's not going to flip off and you can stand in there and work from it. Now, is it OSHA approved? Um, probably not, but yeah, whatever, right? Uh, Chris Dixon said, I'd like to fill one with bourbon. 
yes, I would like to empty one with bourbon. <laughs> um, Martinson family says, uh, goes in the rafters for, uh, don't be so silly. <laughs> but yeah, it would make a great poor man's cherry picker. Next was just use the cage alone as a poor man's hay feeder. And uh, Nate says it'll slide off. Yes. Yeah. Be careful. Um, yeah. Renegade butcher said he'd like to empty one bourbon as well. So if you, if you can get just the cages, if you guys ever go to farm supply stores or you're going around, you're looking in a farmer's field and you see, you know, if you didn't know this cows are dicks and they love to wreck things and they love to push up against things. So they build these cages that they put the hay in so that cows can't, you know, climb on it, shit on it, do whatever cows like to do and be overall really dickish about it. So if you can get just the cage, put it out there, put your hay in there and it can be a feeder for cattle, for sheep, for goats, whatever, but it keeps them from trampling on the feed and absolutely ruining your hard earned work and the stuff you had to spend money for. Next, I like this one was a water tower and this would work really well. So basically, you know, you only need to pump it up once and then you got stored energy, but you just build yourself, you know, it looks like them old fashioned water towers that the trains used to pull up to, but it would just give you, again, kind of a, uh, a redneck version of gravity powered water. So you get it pumped up there and then say something happens, you don't have power, you don't have whatever, well, you can open it up and you have some sort of pressurized system there. I like that quite a bit. Um, now, it, uh, Martinson family says the maple syrup gets too thick in the cold and Renegade Butcher says that's why it has a two-inch drain on it so that it can drain out when the maple syrup gets really cold. Exactly. And, um, oh, yeah, and Nate says John has a couple water towers as well on railway ties. Right on. Hey, Nimrod, Nimrod Diaries, good to have you here. A lot of good names tonight. So the next one, this one's just for Josh, the smartass, I mean the Renegade Butcher. And this is definitely a Canadian thing, but maple sap collection. So if you have any amount of trees, if you guys have ever tried your hand at maple syrup making, it's basically 40 to 1. So if you want a gallon of syrup, you need to deal with 40 gallons or more of maple sap. Now, if you've got a bunch of maple trees all in a line, what I've seen people do is they will uh, pipe them or plumb them all together with, you know, a flexible plastic tubing. And it's great to have, you know, a central collection area that you can put a lid on or whatever. So, yes, very Canadian answer. But an IBC tote, a food grade IBC tote is a great way to collect the copious amounts of maple sap that you're going to get. But again, 275 gallons, divide it by 40, and you are basically going to get about six gallons of maple syrup out of an entire IBC tote full of sap. So there you go. And uh, Renegade Butcher said, hey, the Minnesotans and Wisconsinites do the syrup too. That is very true. I don't want to uh, discriminate against my fellow American brethren, that's for sure. Michiganiacs, no syrup too, Nimrod says. Uh, next, and this is one um, I didn't spend a lot of time researching. I probably should have, but a biogas digester. And this look... If somebody else out there knows a little more about it, but it looks like a way you could um, allow food and waste and scraps to naturally decompose, and then you can trap or contain the um, the gas that comes off it and use it as, again, a poor man's natural gas or a poor man's propane. 
it kind of reminded me of a simpler version of a wood gasifier, but it was it was pretty neat. I liked that quite a bit. Martinson family says locals do birch syrup up here. I looked into that before. The big thing about birch syrup, if I remember correctly, is it's significantly uh, it requires quite a bit more sap for um, for the in order to turn it into syrup. Um, let me just see if we can find it here. Birch sap, how many gallons? Yeah, I think it's quite a bit more. Quite a, yeah, so you get that uh, doesn't say there anyway, but oh, it's about forty to one as well. Now, if you want to, um, you can. Some people like to drink maple sap and birch sap right out of the tree. It's rather refreshing. And some people like to make tea out of it. They claim that the medicinal purchase, there it is. Nimron says about 100 to 1. I was thinking that. So two to two and a half times what maple syrup is. Um, and, uh, oh, Nate says, Martinson, we do black walnut and maple mix. Wow, that would be interesting. I would like to try that quite a bit. <laughs> Renegade says, uh, pulls up Canadian syrup chart. Yes, we need to figure out what exactly is considered um Canadian syrup. Next is an outdoor hand washing facility. Stack it too high, very simpler, very similar to the water tower system, but this is basically just one sitting on top of the other and you put four plumbed in kind of sinks all the way around with say a foot pedal or something like that and then you've got gravity fed hand washing systems for events. I like that quite a bit. Uh, Chris Dixon says an apple cider primary fermenter industrial size. Yes. Love apple cider. Next was drip irrigation for a tree line. Once again, you basically just take the tank, have it sitting there, have it plumbed out, and then have your drip irrigation. You can run it out however many feet you need for an entire tree line. And then you could plumb in your rain right into it or have a, a pump system, whatever it happens to be. But just a very simple uh, non-powered system to make sure your tree line is fairly well irrigated. Um, Next was a very short-term greenhouse. So basically, the, the big problem or one of the big issues with the plastic for IBC totes is it's not UV rated. So what ends up happening is you put it in there, you let the sun get to it, and then after a couple of seasons, you touch the plastic and it gets brittle and you can poke your finger right through the damn thing. But in a pinch, if it's all you have, it, it's translucent. It will let some sun through, but it will also protect and insulate from the cold to a certain extent. So it's definitely usable. I just definitely wouldn't recommend using it long term. Next is a large worm bin uh, kind of setup. So I've got uh, a vermicompost bin set up over here. It's just a little Rubbermaid bin. Works great. But if you wanted to do it on a more industrial size or even better, if you wanted to combine it with some sort of composting system, a large worm bin would work great. Next is a feed bin or storage. So if you need somewhere to put your feed to keep your animals out of it or keep it dry or just somewhere that say you buy wheat in bulk, that sort of thing, then that would, that would work for sure. Now, when I put this list together, one of my favorite places to search for these items or, or uses is on Reddit. I love Reddit, but it's also a cesspool of liberal ideologies and conservative ideologies and people fighting. And it's just a cesspool of weird things. So I typed in uses for IBC totes and I got a couple of hits on there, but the strangest one I'm reading through and I'm, they're like, yeah, you could turn this into a cage and I'm trying to read. And then the next step is how to install 
hand restraints. And I'm like, I think I'm in the wrong system or the wrong setup here. So, <laughs> so apparently, in case you guys wondered, you could turn it into a, a BDSM uh, two stack high cage to put people in when that's what they're into. So yeah, rather interesting. I had to share that one with you because it made me chuckle just a little bit. Uh, so I also found some accessories that you could buy. There's not a lot of upgrade type accessories, but there's a few. They tend to be really specialized and also tend to be rather expensive. But uh, one that was cool was a black vinyl cover that you could, that just slides down over it. Basically like the, um, the covers that I use for my central air units that I just put on today after we've had a foot and a half of snow because I lost it and couldn't find it. But basically, so you put it down over and it's a, an inexpensive solar way to heat your, um, the water that's in there. Yeah. Renegade butcher. That was the BDSM cage was definitely my favorite use for the IBC tote as well. Had to, um, I had to share that one with you. I knew everybody would very much appreciate it. Uh, Renegade says, I want to set up a three tank system, two for catchment. One is a waterproof housing for some batteries and associate charge controllers. Like it. Solar panels on an angle above the tanks, gutters for catchment. Um, Philippines says, Chicken Hawk did a recent IBC dog, uh, IBC tote dog feeder video. I got to check that out. I missed that somehow. You guys, make sure you support Chicken Hawk. He just hit 2,000 subscribers. Uh, next. Uh, you can get multicolored covers to make them look like nice store-bought rain catchment. But what else they do? What else they do? Yeah, anyway, that sounds funny. Uh, they discourage algae growth in the tanks. So anytime that sunlight gets in through that translucent plastic, that's when algae growth really blooms. Pardon the pun. So if you put a cover on them and your missus wants it to look pretty, they got multicolored covers that you can pick up on Amazon for sure. Uh, Nate says, our main use is to grow our comfrey plants, wood logs, compost mulch, then two, two feet of dirt. We're able to pull out the comfrey root and use it for propagation or selling comfrey root and crowns. I love it. It sounds like that. Oh, with those logs in it. What are they called? Those little German, um, piles. I forget what they're called. Anyway, I know they're big in, um, you know, proper usage and that sort of thing, but yeah, I love it. Uh, two feet of dirt. Wood logs, compost, mulch, and then they can pull the comfort right out and use it for propagation. Great use, Nate. Love it. Uh, you can buy an adapter. This is pretty simple, but there is kind of a, a standard outlet on the bottom of it. You can get an adapter that'll screw it down to fit kind of a 5 8 or 3 quarter inch garden hose. So then you can just basically use your regular garden fittings from there. Um, Renegade says, ah, thank you, Eric. Hugel culture. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Thank you, Arizona. You could tell my brain doesn't always work when I do this. Uh, Renegade Butcher says fencing, fencing slats can wrap a tote and look kind of fancy. Yeah. And it wouldn't be very expensive. The thing about IBC totes is if you're living out in the country, it's not a big deal. If you're living in town, they're not the prettiest thing in the world. They're not horrible, but they're not, they're not super pretty. And again, you don't want to, I don't know, attract attention. So for me, I, I love the idea of hiding things in plain sight, kind of urban camouflage, that sort of thing. So if you can cover it up or use fence slats or whatever it happens to be to just sort of make it blend in with the background, then people aren't going to say, oh, he's a crazy guy collecting rainwater or whatever you're using it for, right? Because it's nobody else's goddamn business, is it? Uh, next, you can buy yourself a special bung wrench for opening the lids on them. 
this is very specialized and not for everybody, but those big, I don't know, what are they, four or five inch lids, they can be a real bugger if they're stuck on there to get off. So they make a nice wrench that fits down over with two handles and you can push it or worst case scenario, hit it with a hammer. Um, you can put, you can get a filter that fits down. It's kind of like a sock filter that fits in that opening. So if you get a lot of junk or shit that comes off your gutters when the rain comes, put that in there. It will collect it and kind of sort through all that junk so you can get rid of it on the other side. Um, there is an electric pump, a kind of a rod style pump that fits, that screws onto the top and fits right to the bottom of an IBC tote. They're a specialized tool. They're going to be expensive. But if you're setting up something like that and you're looking for that, it does exist. Hey, Kentucky Sustainable Living, good to have you. Had a great conversation Sunday evening with him. Uh, Renegade says, break down some pallets, make a box, stain it, or torch it. I love the look. I, I hadn't seen that till I moved to Alberta, but my brother-in-law does a ton of that torching of wood, and it looks so good when you're, yes, it looks really good. <laughs> Nimrod said, I said bung. Yes, I did. Uh, next. Um, there is also an exterior inline fuel style filter you can get as well. Now, um, hard pressed to think for as many uses for those, but they work just like if you've got one of those hundred gallon fuel tanks and you want to filter water out of it, you just pipe it in on the side and it has the same style filter and you, it's clear and see-through. So if there's any junk in there, or maybe you're, I don't know, putting fuel or something. Hey, speaking of my brother-in-law, there he is now. He made a really good potato box for us a few years ago, burnt wood, and it looks great. And yeah, so that'll work. Uh, Dixon says, submersible sump pump works too. I plumb mine into a jacuzzi pump to water with. I've seen Chris's setup on his videos and it works really, really slick. Uh, also, there is a mixer. Now, I just had to share this one because I thought it was kind of cool. It's expensive as all hell, but it's a mixer once again, made to go right down to the bottom. It, it It's a column, kind of rod-style one. It has big, wide blades, but it still fits through the hole. It goes down to the bottom, and it mixes things up. So again, that would be if you're in kind of the food industry. I can't see any reason any of us would need to buy one, but it was so damn cool that I had to share it. And finally, you can get a heated blanket for the 275-gallon IBC totes. It would be great if you were fermenting really big, large amounts of things, or you wanted to, um, you know, look after your fish. But here's the thing. They were like four grand. So I'm not buying one. I'm going to make one, or I'm going to buy myself three or four submersible stock tank heaters for livestock. And I'm going to throw them in there because there's always cheaper ways to do that. But I thought it was kind of neat. So yes, Renegade says a giant emulsion blender. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily fits the prepper lifestyle, but it was a pretty cool product that I saw and I thought I would absolutely mention it. Nate says, we have the Harbor Freight 1,525-gallon um, pump hooked up to the rain barrel. It's city water pressure coming out of that hose. Feed for the pump comes out the bottom. I picked up the Harbor Freight battery-powered one. It's a little... Um, it's definitely not as powerful as the one Nate and them have. I can't remember what the GPM is on it, but it was still powerful enough to use a garden spray hose on it. And I really liked it. I don't think it's the same pump, Nate. Maybe it is. But I was very happy with the pressure coming out of it. And it would work perfect, perfect as a, um, a complement to an IBC tote system for sure. And I'm going to use it next year with my um, rainwater because I'm going to take my rainwater. It's only a few feet away from my 
um, wicking beds and I'm going to pump it from my rainwater storage into my wicking beds. I'm, I'm excited about it. And the thing works great. And it'll run off of a 20 volt or the 18 volt, whatever they are, Bauer batteries or in a pinch, you can plug it in as well. Oh, Nate's is only 120 volt. Okay. The one I have is both. And I'm pretty sure mine isn't quite as powerful as the one that Nate has for sure. Renegade says, get the heat tape they wrap plumbing with to keep mobile water lines from freezing. Wrap the tank in that. Absolutely. It was funny. I remember being on a live with Nicole and John a while ago, and we got talking about aquaponics and setting up kind of a an IBC tote with fish in it. And John said, you know, if you need to keep it from freezing, just put a stock heater in it. And I laughed and I said, John, I said, you know, this is, uh, it's not quite the same up here. <laughs> you know, you could take a livestock waterer and those little floating livestock or, you know, stock tank heaters, all they do when it's minus 40 out is basically keep enough water dripping around the outside that the livestock can, uh, can lick it. I mean, everything freezes. There's just no way to keep it from freezing. So, you know, but now this year, I don't know if I have room in my garage, but now that I have heat in there, I could definitely set something like that up. Uh, Chris says, get a stainless impeller pump to chew up any debris that comes from your gutters. It's a good idea and it would work. But yeah, it uh, yeah basically just melts a hole in a great big block of ice. So I can't imagine it would be real healthy for any fish that are in there. But yeah, um, this was a fun one, guys. I I like I learned quite a bit putting this episode together for you for sure. Um, so what do we? I I've got a bunch. I'm I'm going to try to do this empty container series once a month. That way we don't uh, you know run out of good quality content too quick. But I'm pretty excited about it. We've got blue barrels coming up. Uh, two liter pot bottles, mason jars, and I know I've got four or five all together. So if you guys have other suggestions for empty container series, I would love to hear them from you because I think we can turn this into at least a year long thing, which will be kind of fun. Coming up this week, what do we have coming up? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Sunday evening, my guest is going to be the Cold War Prepper, uh, another connection I made from when Apartment Prepper was on my show. I'm rather excited about chatting with him. I know him a little bit, but I, we've never had a conversation. And this is half the reason I do some of these interview shows is it gives me an excuse to sit down and talk to really cool people that I haven't necessarily had or made the time to sit down and chat with. Uh, it was like that when I had uh, Iridium Solutions on a couple of weeks ago, Ed from there. It's just nice to meet these like-minded people. Yes, ammo cans, Renegade Butcher. We will do ammo cans. That is Great. I'm not sure if I have that on my list, but it's going on my list now. So like I said, Sunday evening will be Cold War Prepper. Saturday evening, uh, I haven't decided what I'm going to talk about yet. I might do another movie show. Not 100% sure. And we're going to do, like I said, a watch party for Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to start with. And if it goes over well, we might do another one. Get a couple in before Christmas comes. I'm quite excited. We'll have a, an extra episode coming out tomorrow. Got a couple of pre-records coming out. Uh, this will be yet another one. And uh, Nate says, I need to post a, a photo of my ammo can radio at work. So for the record, guys, we are 63 minutes and 13 seconds into the episode before Nate mentioned ham radio or radio in general. But uh, yeah, so I'm almost out of my old fashioned. So here we go. Took a drink because Nate talked about ham radio. But yeah. 
So guys, um, yeah, thank you. This was a great, great crowd coming in. I always love these empty container episodes because everybody always has some really good suggestions and everybody's definitely willing to tell me where to go, how to get there. And oh, <laughs> Nate says, not ham radio, music radio. Thank you very much. Well, it's too late. I already took the drink. So, <laughs> all right, guys, that is it for me this week. So like I said, Saturday evening, come by. Sunday evening, come by. We will have some fun this weekend. It's great to be back in the full swing of things. I felt like even though I didn't end up traveling, I had made all the plans to travel. And so everything got kind of screwed up, twisted around. And now I'm into full-on winter snow removal mode. So it means I got a lot more time to, to commit to the content for the winter always love it. Love spending time with you guys. So anyway, thanks guys for coming by. Thanks for being a great community. I always appreciate hanging out with you. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. <laughs>